This is one of the things that the 43 Group is known by and should be known in the future, that you do not wait to be attacked. You take the fight of the enemy and attack those before they attack you. We did find ourselves in a very tricky situation, sometimes outnumbered. Anything you do to deter people from nasty things they want to do was uh, a good thing. Hello, this is episode 13 of Radio 43, the weekly anti-fascist briefing from Hope Not Hate. Roxy is away this week, I'm afraid, so it's just uh, it's just me and Joe. Um, how are you doing, mate? Did you have a good weekend? I did, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 this is the last thing I'm doing before I go on holiday. So um, I am... Very nice. Yeah, I'm over the moon, so let's keep this short. Absolutely. I'll let you go <laughs> I'm and joking. Get, no. get that first cocktail of the holiday, for sure. That sounds, uh, no, sounds lovely. How Joe, are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I um, I've had a few days off. Actually, went on a bike ride, um, on the weekend, which was very nice. Although I kind of fell in some stinging nettles, which was less good, um, mm. suboptimal. But other than that, it was. It's been. Uh, it's been nice. Weather's been all right for a change. Um, so just before we get stuck in today, don't forget we've got an uh, we've got an online merch store. You can pick up anything from t-shirts and lanyards through to books, including Joe's new book drums in the distance and if you see joe doesn't know i'm going to say this but if you send joe a dm on twitter he'll write you a little message in any book that you buy through our web store so if that's not incentive i don't know what is putting you <laughs> on the bus there completely joe yeah, I, but i will uh, no of course not. I'd, 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 you know i'd happily sign absolutely anyone's copy so yeah that's very kind of you <laughs> yeah, yeah well it's a, it's a, it's a great read it's definitely worth picking up uh which you can do through our through our web store so um so head to our website and you you can follow the link there. Okay, so we've got a f- just a couple of stories to go through today, really. Um, on the, the show last week, we spoke about how disgusted we were at this government, this government's disgraceful response to uh, the the unfolding humanitarian disaster in Afghanistan, and also kind of how disappointed we were at the the lack of a strong uh, of strong opposition in the face of it, really. The government said they're going to take 5,000 um, Afghan refugees a year, which uh, somebody else did the math for me on this, uh, works out, I think, at eight people per constituency in the UK. And this is what Pretty Patel is saying is kind of one of the most generous offers to refugees in the history of this country. Um, if we, you know, if we cast our minds back to what happened during the last refugee crisis, Joe, I mean, which was the one that emerged in Syria, Britain took... 20,000 refugees uh, and we can compare that to 3.7 million taken by Turkey, 668,000 by Jordan, 788,000 by Germany and 173,000 by Sweden. So I, I mean, my sense is, you know, the, the stories that the government's telling itself about the country that we that we supposedly are just couldn't be further uh, away from reality, really. And, and we're just contributing massively to human misery. But the far right are also angry, aren't they, Joe, uh, Joe at the government's response, but for a different reason. Uh, could you tell us kind of what that is? Broadly, I'm, I'm guessing they think it's too generous, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course they do. Um, so there's been a lot of talk actually about, um, there's been some newspaper articles and stuff about the far right all celebrating the Taliban's victory. And, and you know, those of us that are monitoring this closely, that there definitely have been some people 
kind of celebrating it. There's been some people in America and, and, and kind of around commonalities of ideology, right? So kind of the Taliban don't like women, they don't like LGBT people, they're kind of anti-liberal. And so some of that sort of stuff has chimed with elements of the far right at the most extreme end. And that kind of ties into kind of, there's nothing new there. There's often been a kind of support for really extreme Islamist groups and anti-Semitic groups, et cetera, and, and uh, the far extreme far right. I mean, that goes back to straight after the Second World War, you found groups in London, for example, that was kind of, that thought the Mufti of Jerusalem was a great guy. So that's kind of happening there, but mostly the reaction has been around this migration immigration issue, right? So asylum seekers, et cetera. Um, it's kind of best articulated by, I say best articulated, you know, summar, summarized, if you will, by Paul Joseph Watson, the YouTuber on the far right. And he's kind of put out, put out this video, which essentially is what most of the British far right people are saying, which is saying, you know, these people are not actually refugees, they're economic migrants. They're coming over here, they're being stuck in four star hotels. They're giving loads of, given loads of money. We're already being flooded with this kind of cross channel migration. Uh, we've already got too much of this stuff anyway and we're kind of building up a, a problem for the future and we're going to see terror attacks afghanis are going to come over here and and kind of they're going to be young men of fighting age we've seen lots of pictures etc of primarily men on planes coming from afghanistan etc and that's being used to say these aren't real refugees these are economic migrants and so most of the far right in the uk are tying what's happening in afghanistan and the the arrival of or the relatively imminent arrival of increased number of Afghani refugees to the existing what they would see as the crisis of cross-channel migration is for them kind of tied together into this broad narrative of invasion. Trouble is these it doesn't take much for these narratives to take root to take root in our kind of wider media ecology in this country don't do they I mean it was only a few years ago that during the Syrian refugee crisis when Katie Hopkins was writing those columns in the sun comparing refugees to cockroaches saying she didn't care about you know pictures of bodies floating in the sea and things so i mean do you think that our, our kind of media's outrage economy kind of gives an easy ride to these views um and, and can we expect some of these right-wing outriders to be parroting this stuff pretty soon yeah, i mean I'd, I'd, say, I'd say pretty soon i imagine you know, kind of it's already happening i mean it's interesting often when there's a big crisis like this there is in afghanistan there is a general outpouring of sympathy right kind of seeing those awful images coming out of Kabul airport and those sorts of things and so sometimes there is a lag before the the right-wing press jumps on it and becomes really ugly around the issue because they understand that most people are actually quite aesthetic towards afghan refugees especially those that help british forces for example and so there have been articles in all of the major newspapers calling for more to be done and you know that that's been interesting to see but you know at the same time as you know it splits into this supposedly like deserving and undeserving refugees you know so you see the kind of the afghan refugees are deserving at this moment let's see how long that lasts um but lots of the other refugees that are coming across the channel are not and you know even on the bbc last night uh, on radio 4 you know there was they have this kind of guy who's been following kind of cross-channel migration this summer and you know he was pretty indistinguishable from the way the far right talked about it he was talking about wave after wave and record numbers and all this sort of kind of rhetoric um so I think it's going to be interesting to see how long this kind of relatively friendly feeling towards uh, refugees from Afghanistan lasts in the media and how quickly it turns towards more people flooding, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think the, the fear of it by Priti Patel, she was on the, the TV the other day saying, well, 
we can only let in 5,000 at the moment. We can't let in all 20,000 at once. This country can't cope. You know, and you, you reeled off some of the numbers that other countries take and are taking. Uh, and the idea that we can't take 20,000 people, half a football stadium, uh, it, it immediately is, is ridiculous. But what that does show is it shows how the Conservative government is clearly concerned about the reaction of the media and of these kind of activists within the far right and, and kind of broader societal hostility towards refugees and migrants. Hence why they're taking 5,000 in the first year and not taking the full 20,000 or not going beyond that 20,000 at the moment. So I think it shows that these groups that we talk about and the media that we talk about feeds into government policy because they're so scared of getting something wrong or being attacked for being too generous. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we're going to come on to a story about people in the in, in the media being attacked uh, pretty soon. But um, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You, you, you touched on this earlier on, uh, uh, Joe, but you were you mentioned about how the far right have kind of been responding to what's happened in uh, in Afghanistan. There was a piece in Vice News uh, a day or so after the Taliban uh, takeover, which kind of centered on responses from uh, a US far right group that were praising the Taliban for the way in which they've um, kind of taken control of the country. And it kind of reminded me of the uh, some of the white jihad stuff that was coming out of national action back in 2015, 2016, that sort of time. Uh, has there been anything sort of similar coming out of the extreme right in this country or? I mean, yeah, as you say, there are individuals at the more extreme end that see the Taliban as, as you say, like anti-women, very conservative, anti-Western, um, anti-American in the kind of broad sense of not like um, that sometimes confuses people not talk about the far right being anti-American, but um, they don't necessarily, they mean like the American state, as it will. And obviously being anti-LGBT and there's obviously there's also a crossover around things like anti-Semitism as well. And so there have been some people that see any force of reactionary kind of politics, anything which is anti the status quo, anti the liberal agenda, as they would see, or anti kind of human rights, etc. They would see that as ideologically positive. And so there have been at the most extreme ends examples of people once again, in the same way as you saw some people kind of saying the same thing about the Islamic State, or you could go back with a kind of Al Qaeda or how sometimes, you know, you see figures from the extreme far right end up becoming Islamists and crossing over etc especially in prisons for example so this isn't new in that sense this is this has been happening for a very long time and as i say you can follow these links right back to the second world war and beyond in terms of far-right people really supporting kind of extreme reactionary islamism um so that's nothing new but yeah it's something we're certainly seeing uh, kind of in the wake of of what's happened in afghanistan recently i think some of it's also come out of the uh the kind of christian conservative right in the u.s as well there's been some um sort of reactions in that in that context that you've just you've just made there joe sort of looking at the taliban as a kind of response to sort of quote unquote kind of western decadence that kind of thing you know uh the liberal uh what they see as a sort of liberal sort of hegemony i guess but yeah look you're yeah you're you're right i think that 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 this sort of thing is is seeping in a little bit so so let's move on to our next story which is uh, about anti-vaxxers storming television studios yesterday about 200 anti-vaxxer protests tried to occupy the itn building which is the home of uh, itv news and channel 4 news as well um but they also went over to the google offices and they went down into leicester square and harassed some people down there as well joe could you give us a bit of info on what happened yesterday yeah so basically yesterday was the latest in a, in a series of demonstrations uh, organized by this this group called Official Voice. And, and this is a not a far, I wouldn't kind of necessarily, I wouldn't call it a far right group. It's, you know, if you look at the images and the videos of both this demonstration, and you might have remembered from a few weeks ago, actually, there was 
a demonstration at the White City building, which used to be the home of the BBC, and everyone was kind of mocking them for getting the wrong location. This was the latest in that series of demos. Quite a diverse group of people, but the demonstrations got quite nasty. They come out really strongly and say, we're not anti-vaxxers. But actually, if you listen to kind of some speeches by the leader of this group and a a few other people, they call vaccines poison. They say that it's killing people every day. So there's a lot of anti-vaccine rhetoric in there. There's lots of anti-lockdown stuff in there as well. And so this week, the group occupied the foyer of the ITN building. They had it for about a couple of hours before eventually the police managed to move in. Uh, And there was actually some pretty heated footage that came out of it. They they hurled abuse at Jon Snow, the the presenter. Um, They kind of said he was refusing to speak up for children and and speak up for children is this kind of reference partly influenced by things like QAnon narratives that there is uh, you you know there's this kind of cabal of people secret cabal of paedophiles running the world or or kind of oppressing children etc so a lot of that kind of narratives coming in from Q were there as well and there's a few of these you know this has been there's been a few of the demonstrations in the last couple of weeks and, and kind of we'll have to see where they go but broadly speaking I think, uh, you know, what they're calling for in this instance yesterday was they want a mainstream live debate on all aspects of COVID. For them, the truth is being hidden. You know, they're not being, their view is being ostracised from the mainstream media. It's not being put on television, anti-vax, et cetera. So that's why they were kind of at news agencies trying to say, like, we need to have our voice heard. Who, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but who who do they want to put up for this debate? Is there there any details at all or...? No, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see. I mean, it's this thing. I mean, part of it is because these groups have emerged out of the Internet, there is this real hostility towards mainstream media. And of course, we've all, we're always moaning about mainstream media on here, right, <laughs> on this podcast, but, but not in the same way, in the sense that for them, you know, all mainstream media is intrinsically biased and, and not to be trusted. And so there's an intrinsic, complete hostility towards all media, unless it is kind of uh, completely alternative media in their view or if it's kind of you know they would never trust a bbc report on vaccines they would much more likely get their information on vaccines from some random guy making a youtube video um and so this fits into this wider narrative of hostility towards the media and towards any sort of perceived wisdom or authorities or elite as they would argue and um and hence why they're kind of attacking them and they're seeing the fact that their view is being ignored and ostracized as just further proof that they are correct, um, you know. The, uh, the the targeting of Jon Snow, I thought, was uh, it was very reminiscent of the BBC journalist from a few weeks ago. I've actually can't remember his name, I'm afraid, but he uh, who he he was subjected to some really horrible abuse as well. And uh, like you say, Jon Snow, they were calling him a rat, asking him if he was a paedophile, and that made me think of the QAnon link as well that you've just that you've just mentioned there. The um, uh, what I thought was, was was quite interesting as well, just from a sort of far right perspective, was that the uh, Mariana Spring, who's the BBC's disinformation and social media reporter, she said that she's been speaking with doctors and politicians, you know, w- women both in and out of the public eye, who have been targeted and threatened by this group, and they they said they're going to do investigations into them and all the rest of it. And, and what I thought was quite interesting was that, in fact, the Tommy Robertson News Telegram channel was sharing some of these clips from yesterday with people harassing members of the media on you know he was they were showing it on on that telegram channel so i mean let's put aside for the fact that he's in court right now for allegedly harassing a, a reporter from the independent but do you think has the, has the far right now properly moved into this kind of covid denial anti-vaxxer space I, I know we we sort of tiptoed around this uh before we sort of said they were dipping their dipping their toes in here and there but have they kind of properly moved into this space now do you think 
Well, it, uh, you know, it's a difficult question that it's, you know, what the far right's not a homogenous block that moves in and out of something. There's, it depends where you're looking. You mentioned Tommy Robinson. I mean, there's no doubt, right? I mean, as you say, not only did he kind of put up these videos yesterday from the events, you know, with the little fire emoji, but he's been talking about vaccines, lockdowns, etc., for a long time now. And actually, he was talking uh, recently in a video that he produced saying, you know, you should come and support me in the sense that you should come over to me because I've been having my freedom of speech suppressed for ages for talking about Islam and all the things I talk about. Now you understand how freedom of speech is under attack because they're coming for you. He's thrown his lot in behind the anti-vax crowd and he was even flirted with QAnon stuff and certainly lots of anti-lockdown stuff. It depends where you look on the far right. There is a, a broad consensus not to trust elites, not to trust science and there is a broad sense that you know that's been anti-lockdown throughout not all of the far right has gone down the anti-vax route some have some haven't but there is definitely this kind of convergence and we've talked about it on the podcast before and we've written about it over the last year it's worth looking at we produced a report on QAnon which is out of date now but came out a while back and that talks about crossover with the far right as well there's definitely been some of linkages etc and there's also of course within the anti-semitic movements on the far right there's a lot of crossover right because here you've got groups that believe the world is secretly run by a cabal of jewish kind of powerful jews and they've tied together various conspiracy theories about 5g anti-lockdown vaccines controlling people all those things are tied together and once you start to have a, a conspiracy of that form what some people call a super conspiracy that obviously requires a conspirator and in the eyes of many on the far right that is the the jewish people in the eyes of david ike that is the jewish people and so we've definitely seen a crossover when it comes to things like conspiratorial anti-semitism as well so yeah i mean i think tommy robinson's definitely for him for example he's seeing is it a route to, to a new audience to talk about all this sort of stuff for the more the anti-semitic people they're seeing again also this huge audience of individuals that they could attract but it's definitely the far right looking to the conspiracy scene to try and recruit rather than necessarily the other way around in that a lot of you say these demonstrations are not far right they're very ethnically diverse there's more diverse in gender than the far right demonstrations uh, and so yeah it's an interesting kind of hodgepodge of groups and individuals coming together around core issues that they agree on really um just before we wrap up uh next week am i right in saying tommy robinson's case uh it wraps up next week is that right yep i mean the, the first day of the court case was um uh, uh to do with kind of a journalist that he's uh, sort of allegedly been harassing was um on monday this week and i believe the next one is on thursday this week and so whether or not that will be finished then uh, i'm not sure but um the yeah i'm sure that by the time we next do a podcast we'll be able to look back and and kind of we'll have a better idea of actually what happened there yeah 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 so uh make sure you check back into the next episode because we yeah like you say we'll definitely be speaking about that if if the case is wrapped up uh okay well that's it for another week uh big thank you to jake our producer big thanks to you joe and also to all of our listeners uh joe i hope you have a fantastic holiday mate um, yeah me too man yeah no, we'll look after yourself and um, you yeah yeah you too and i'll see, see you on the other side absolutely and just one quick message to all of our listeners please don't forget to subscribe please do share the show link it really is a big help um we'll see you at the next episode take care bye bye you cannot prevent 50 people 50 postmen or 50 dustmen are having editing thoughts 
that you can prevent 50 dustbins forming an anti-Semitic dustbin association. Take the fight of the enemy and attack those before they attack you.